Hey, you. Have you seen Across the Spider-Verse? You haven't? Well, then you can't, you can't listen to this episode. I mean, you can, but this is your only spoiler warning. So if you haven't seen Across the Spider-Verse, then you should. That's it. In theory, the whole multiverse could collapse. No. I am the father. And here we go. That belongs in a museum. Are you telling me that you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? You're going to need a bigger boat. This is Sparta! Remember, with great power comes great responsibility. Dr. Grant, my dear Dr. Sattler, welcome to Jurassic Park. Welcome back to another episode of Easily Entertained. Once again, I'm your host, Bryson Olson, and I'm joined by Cormac Bone, fellow entertainment enjoyer. Absolutely. Always love to be here. Heck yeah. And today, we are talking about the sequel to the movie we talked about last time, Yeah, yeah. Across the Spider-Verse, a new movie this year that just came Damn. out on the second. Yeah. Perfection. It's such a good film. It's such a good film. Amazing is the least you could say about it. Yeah. It's yeah. incredible. Anybody who says they want to see it, they're wrong. They need to see it. They need to see it. Yeah, it's not a want. It's a need. Yeah. And it's a need for several reasons. Several reasons. Because not only is this story fantastic, it is impeccable. Amazing. Leaves off on a bit of a cliffhanger, which we'll get into. Mm, yep, but yep. the animation, the music, everything, it is incredible what they yeah. did in this film it it oozes with love for the craft and so it makes you feel joy it really does and no matter no matter what yeah <laughs> just no matter what uh, you know and it makes the first one i feel like even better oh yeah yeah because that's how you do a sequel right exactly it just expands on the universe yeah. and you're like man these are two amazing movies yeah. that deserve all the recognition that they're getting when a sequel is bad it's easy to compare it yes to you know you know compare the the two films but when it's good it's hard yeah and and i would say near impossible like i when we were talking about it i bring up the example of top gun maverick that was a really good sequel mm -hmm. and it's good because the first one exists and yeah the first one is made was made better because the second one exists mm -hmm. and that's how you do a sequel and this one well it's a sequel and a half tell you what True. it does that way better i mean like top gun maverick did it good don't get me wrong mm -hmm. i love that but this did and it way better. And it's so hard to compare them, oh, too, yeah. because the first one was already perfect in its own right. Yeah. Like, they nailed the comic book come-to-life style. It is mm -hmm. insane. I remember when we came out of the theater, we were like, I don't even know if I can even say it's better <laughs> than the first one, because the first one was already so amazing. Great. Yeah. I was like, even if we never got anything like this, it's perfect on its own. Yeah. And so it's... So hard to compare these two because they're both great, but we're just talking about across right. the Spider Verse today. We'll just so, get into it. yeah. Um, <coughs> excuse me, but so this one is a continuation of the yeah. multiversal kind of story. Yeah, um, sticking with Miles for a sec. Exactly. Um, but what's kind of nice is Gwen Stacy is a huge part of it. Steps closer into in the light. Mm -hmm. For sure. Because before they, all the other spider people were kind of like 
supporting characters. They're more side than the rest of them. Um, but in this one, it feels like Gwen Stacy is equally a lead. Mm-hmm. They are definitely both on the same level. She gets probably just as much screen time as Miles does. Yeah, and it's really nice to flesh out her story. Because mm-hmm. not everyone knows a ton about Gwen, nope. at least the Spider-Gwen version right. of her. Right. And so it's definitely establishing it to kind of go somewhere, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. Um, Like what we think is going to happen with Beyond the Spider-Man. Yeah, man. The last one. Ooh. Ooh. That's going to be great. But yeah, yeah, so it's about Miles once again. Um, This time they have a main villain, uh, The Spot. The Spot. Which you kind of think is a bit of a goofball at first. You're like, he's not going to be a serious threat. Yeah. Yeah, and and at first it kind of it's almost like he takes himself that way too because mm-hmm. he kind of knows like he's just kind of he just barely is getting onto the scene, and with like his story of how um, he gets it in his head that he and Miles are destined to be arch nemesis, arch nemesis, yeah. yeah because uh, the spot I can't remember the character's actual name, um, but he brings the spider that bites Miles in the first movie. And so if you noticed in the first one, and they bring it back up in this one as well, the spider that bites Miles is not from this dimension, it and it glitches as if it's out of its normal dimension. And so the spider that bites Miles is not from his Earth. He's right. not exactly supposed to be this Spider-Man. It was supposed to bite someone else. Yeah, yeah. And then, so since the spot had created him, when... Miles blows up the particle collider yeah. in into the spider and into the spider verse. First one, he ends up creating the spot because the spot is in the room. Yeah, yeah. According to the internet, Jonathan On is his name. Jonathan On. Okay. Yeah. But he's he so he's one of the scientists that was working mm-hmm. with um, Doctor Octavius from Miles's universe. Um, and yeah, he was just, he was there, I, and it looked like from the little tidbits of an, animation, he was there to, like, recover the dead spider. We see that the, I mean, obviously we've seen it in the first movie, that Miles kills the spider that bites mm-hmm. him. And um, from the little tidbits of Spot's backstory when he's telling it, it looks like he was going back for that spider. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. But when he was there, the particle accelerator explodes, and then he becomes the Spot. And so he's got it in his head that it's... Their stories are intertwined. I mean, mm-hmm. well, they are. Yeah. And so now it's in his head that they're gonna, you know, be, you know, attacking each other. It's mm-hmm. the arch nemesis situation. And even in that first fight, he's like, "Oh, the crucible of our creation," and because they they return to the and Miles doesn't take him seriously at, at all. all. At the he's beginning. like, "Whatever, this is villain of the week." Villain of the week, which kind of gets to spot, and he's like, "Okay." He said, "My feelings, bro." He's like, "I'm gonna villain get of the you. villain of the week." Okay, we'll see about that. Yeah. And that kind of sparks. The whole movie is because Spot. So if you don't know about the Spot, because he is not a very well known yeah, villain. Because even though he's kind of had a bit of a redemption in the comics, because they he started off kind of goofy, like how this one is, and then he, I uh, well he started off I think a bit more serious, and then they kind of got goofy with him, and now he's back to being serious. Right. Um. So the Spot, it has portals all over his body that he can manipulate and travel 
uh, not only in like physical space, he can travel. He can travel interdimensionally. Right. Because at first he's he's only doing it in physical space. That's mm-hmm. all he's thought to do. Yeah. Um, until that fight that we talk about with him and Miles at the beginning, then he kicks his own butt, quite mm-hmm. literally kicks himself into himself, and then that's when he starts to figure out, oh, I can go into other places, not not just other places, other dimensions with this. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, there's many funny lines where he talks about his holes. Yeah. And how his holes <laughs> And everyone's are like, the can you please stop talking about your holes? It's making everybody, everybody uncomfortable. uncomfortable. <laughs> so funny. It's hilarious. But... So because he was taken as a joke and he was like, okay, let's get serious now. I will really be a villain. Yeah. And so he creates a mini particle collider so he can start traveling to other universes to absorb the energy of all the other Alchemex particle colliders so that he can become extremely powerful. Yeah. And uh, from what I was seeing... He may his name may change, so instead of the spot, it's the void, oh. because with each particle accelerator, right. like he absorbs, he becomes more full right. of the spot, gets darker, and so and tr- true to the form of the original film, mm-hmm. with all the little tidbits of animation and music building with the character, mm-hmm. the 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 music for the spot is. Oh, it's awesome. so menacing. It's, it's so like, good. yeah, you're going to die. I mean, the music for everything in this yeah. film is huge. It's huge. But I really I really enjoyed how, with the spot, his theme builds as mm-hmm. he builds. And it's, anyway. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. But so, because of that, it's going all interdimensionally. Um, that attracts the work of the Spider Society, which mm-hmm. is run by Spider-Man 2099. Miguel. Um, and... 2099 doesn't really like any of the original Spider-Men from Into the Spider-Verse because of that particle collider. Yeah. Um, Because of it, they've been having some uh, incursions throughout the multiverse, Mm -hmm. which are kind of causing the disruption of these things called canon events, which is the, like disruption of events that are supposed to happen in every spider story so it's like them losing their powers and being like i'm gonna have to just quit yeah or having to have an uncle or a close loved one die or in this one it's a captain like a police captain close to spider-man is meant to die and in this case it's miles's dad who might die because we at the beginning we're told that he's going to be promoted to captain Mm mm-hmm so, and so, with that, Miles doesn't. Yeah, he's like, like I that. don't want to do that. He's like, excuse me, not about that, sir. Excuse me. Um, but so because of that, it kind of puts off some more events yeah. because Miles is like, no, I'm gonna save my dad and still not break the world. Yeah. Because if you disrupt a canon event, your world essentially starts to disintegrate. Right. That's what we're. That's what we've been told. That's what we've been told by Miguel mm-hmm. O'Hara. Spider-Man 2099. Yeah, and he seems a little sketch. Yeah, he's a little fishy. Mm-hmm. He's a little fishy. Uh, and we see him earlier in the movie before Miles. Um, yeah, with, with, the, with the Gwen with sequence. With Gwen, because Gwen's off in her world, and they have a alternate dimension vulture that's from, like, a renaissance yeah. era. He's made of, like, Parchment. Tape. Yeah, he's made of parchment. It's so cool. It is really awesome. Um, And so she's trying to fight him, and then... 2099 and Jessica Drew, who's another Spider Woman, yep. come in and stop him. Um, and then in Cause that because he, he's an anomaly, mm-hmm. and in that point, Spider Gwen it reveals herself to her dad, 
and because she's accused of killing her best friend Peter Parker, who's the lizard in her dimension, right? He kind of turns against her, so she leaves and goes with them to join the Spider Society. Yep. And so, kind of how Miles gets involved is because she's coming to monitor the spot because he's an interdimensional being, right? Who's in Miles's universe? Exactly. And then she is like, well, I'm going to visit Miles. And then this whole thing kind of goes off because he's like, well, now I want to join the Spider Society. But Miguel yeah. doesn't like him, so it's true. that's not going to happen. And that's because, like you mentioned at the beginning of the episode, Miles is a spider is somebody else's. Mm-hmm. And so we, we, we learn that Miguel doesn't like him because he, everywhere Miles goes, in Miguel's head at least, he is an anomaly. Mm-hmm. He, ca- he starts causing things yep. because there was a Spider-Man before Miles, the world already had a Spider-Man. Yep. And so this one came in and that took a Spider-Man from another world yep. and made it in this one. And so with that, we kind of get the whole cause of everything. There's an anomaly everywhere. Yeah. And so because of Miles not wanting to deal with the canon events, yeah, because um, he's like, I don't want my dad to die. Yeah, and obviously. In proper Spider-Man form, they're like, I don't want to live with this because this is an event that I can try and change. Because that's yeah. one of Spider-Man's powers is his will. Yep. He's like, I will save everybody. Yeah, it I doesn't love, matter. I love that moment of confrontation with Miles and Miguel mm-hmm. because I really love the line where he's pointing it out. So we're just going to let this happen? And then he says things like, "That's you realize how messed up that sounds." Yeah, like because Miles is genuinely just an amazing dude. Yeah, and and that moment's huge because all of the other Spider People who we you know we've they've already gone through it. Yeah, they so their thought is like, it's "Well, now we it is. we all kind of have to." Yeah, because that's how it's been. Right, and so but not for Miles. Yeah, not for Miles. But so that kind of causes everyone to go after him. and then... Right, right. Miguel, Miguel sends him on Miles because mm-hmm. now Miles is considered dangerous, and Miguel's been in charge of everybody, mm-hmm. and so they listen and be- to him. Uh-huh. And if enough canon events are disrupted in enough worlds, according to Miguel. To, to Miguel, in theory, the whole multiverse could collapse. Right. And so... Which is bad news. Yeah. And so they want to stop him because they don't want too many of these canon events being interrupted. Right. But Miles, being the genius that he is, he leads everyone away, and then he gets sent back to an, a home world. Yeah, that is that is the climax of the film. Yeah. It's amazing. And the home world is not his world. Dun-dun. Miles is from Earth 1610. 1610. He goes to Earth 42, which is where the spider, spider. is from. Because it scan the machine that sends him back. Yeah, the go home s- machine. Mm-hmm, scanned his DNA, and because the spider was from forty two, that's the DNA it figured out. Yep. And so it sends him to an alternate world, the world that doesn't have a Spider Man. Yep. And that's where he meets his alternate self, the Prowler. Yeah. And if you remember from the last episode, I talked about how Miles is a foiler, a foiler, a foil to Aaron Davis, who is the Prowler in his universe. His uncle. Mm. Because they're so similar, they can go off 
just a little bit. If Miles makes just the right decisions, he becomes a prowler yeah. as well. It's like it's 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 why airplane machines have to be so accurate because mm-hmm. if you're off by one angle at the start, by one degree, by one degree at the start of your voyage, you're off by miles at the yep. end of it. Like more than miles. Miles, miles Morales. <laughs> oh man! But it's incredible, and the detail that comes from it. Yeah, uh, yeah, because when you're watching the film, it's not apparent to you that he's sent home or mm-hmm. sent to the wrong universe. Yeah, but uh, when we watched it the second time, and there were little details. I mean, Bryson picked up on it the first time; he was a genius. Um, but like when when he gets scanned initially, when he's trying to go home, it'll say Earth forty two, mm-hmm. and we know that he's from sixteen ten. I kind of miss that. It, it, it happens really quick. And then there's other little just details, like Bryson said, that are just beautiful. Like conventionally, that we've seen anyway, Miles' hoodie is red. Mm-hmm. When he's in this other universe, it's purple, which is a prowler color, right? Mm-hmm. But it's it's a subtle little thing that you can totally overlook. I didn't I didn't even see it till the second time I went. Mm-hmm. And his room, the walls are different. He has like one of the boxing bags yep. on his wall. Uh his mom's eye color. Yeah, his mom's eye colors are different. And then of course his uncle Aaron is still alive. Right, yeah. That's and, when you and that's really when, get to know. That's when he realizes he's like, oh, no, Not I'm in the really. wrong universe. Yeah. And so it's amazing. And then that's pretty much where the movie ends. Yep. It's like, oh, you find out he's in the wrong universe and he's met his alternate and, self. And Gwen... Oh, that's true. ...has uh, rounded up her... Well, rounded up the, mm-hmm. the folks who support Miles. Uh-huh. Really. Gwen started to realize they're like no miguel is wrong right and through the movie through the movie she kind of is having her doubts Mm -hmm. and there's a moment when she's running along with um oh what's her name with the motorcycle jessica drew jessica drew the other spider woman and she says my gut says and then she shuts her up she's like yeah well listen to your head then yeah but like gwen's kind of not about it especially listen to your spider sense not your head yeah her and hobie Mm -hmm. which we haven't even really talked about but what a man i love hobie i've always loved Mm -hmm. spider punk he's always been one of my favorite as a guitar player which is you know super basic but that's how it goes yeah um anyway i love that there's a there's a mirror moment between miles and gwen because gwen goes to miles's home goes to earth 1610 Mm -hmm. because she saw miles go or well knew miles was trying to head home and there, there's this mirror moment where they're both kind of realizing it at the same time, and we get both lines of they're like he's in the wrong universe at mm-hmm. the same time. They're connected, which is indicative of a, a line from a very early part of the film where Miles says we're the same, at least in the important ways. Yeah, you know. And oh, man, it's just it's that those sort of bookends and those sort of little details mm-hmm. that are just they make a movie so much better, so much better. They really do, and then. Oh, that ending is just yeah. to be continued. It irked me. And, I was and, like, and oh. you're like, what? Oh. Are you kidding me? Which it's a bittersweet. Oh. It's a bittersweet. Yeah, because we walked out of the theater. We were kind of stunned. We were like, ah, <laughs> yeah. oh, absolutely dumb. You family. gotta be kidding me. Um, but that kind of brings us to the next part of the episode mm. is talking about the sequel. Yeah, the, I'm just so much. I'm lo- just so glad there's going to be more from them. To be yeah. honest, yeah, because they had planned it to be a two-parter. Yeah, um, I, th- from what I was reading, is it was actually supposed to be one movie, hmm. but because of the story they really wanted to tell, it would have been like 
a five hour long movie. Right. And so Or just a really cruddy three hour long. Exactly. The pacing would be way too fast. Way terrible. And so they decided to make it into two parts. And so they worked on both of them around the same time. Right. And I think they're still refining the last one, but they worked on most of it at the same time. And so Beyond the Spider-Verse will be the last one in the trilogy. Yeah. And that comes out March 29th, 2024. Yeah. So just a little under a year, about just nine months. Just on the months. horizon. Yeah. There's you hope. Could, There's hope. You could have a baby right now. <laughs> right. And conceive now. Conce- it'll be birthed. Conceive now. You will have the baby when <laughs> uh, when Beyond the Spider-Verse comes out. Yeah, yeah. Have it in the theater. No, I'm kidding. It'd be Don't even better if your first date was at Into the <laughs> Spider-Verse. If you're listening to this and your significant other and you are married and your first date was Into the Spider-Verse, conceive now. <laughs> I need this story to be real. <laughs> Bruh. It would actually be the ultimate spider love story. That'd be so it sick. Would. They'd have to name it like something Spider-Man right? related. That would be hilarious. Yeah. But yeah, so we have to wait for the sequel. But they have set up quite a few things, which I'm excited for, so because well, it means we'll have the final showdown with Spot, because he kind of cut out like yeah. about halfway through the movie, which is understandable, because he got enough power, and he's like, see you back home. And, and then he goes up. back, he heads back to the universe, and he'll be waiting for Miles. Miles. Um, and so we kind of go through the rest of the movie without him. And it's mainly focused on the spider society. Right. Um, And so with that, you'll have the spot showdown and they're going to need to rescue Miles because he doesn't have a watch like everyone else that lets them transport to all these different earths. Um, And so kind of how we mentioned before, uh, spider Gwen had gotten all her like band of people from the original movie. So we will see them again in the next one. Because we see them at the very end of the film, mm-hmm. Spider Noir and all mm-hmm. of them. Yeah, because Gwen was sent back um, by right. twenty ninety nine in the go home machine. Yep, they took her watch away and like you can't. Yeah, you're done. We don't trust you anymore because you're siding with Miles. But and so Hobie, Hobie gave the, her a watch. The genius and the anarchist mm-hmm. that he is. Because uh, that's made another. His own. That's another secret detail. Not secret. Like right. It's, it's there, but it's not as noticeable that he's doing that throughout the film. He's, For your first watch. Yeah, he's stealing pieces of tech throughout the Spider Society to make his make own watch. watch, and then he gives it to Gwen. He's really, he's really the crux for for starting this support mm-hmm. of Miles, mm-hmm. which I think is really, really, really cool because they just barely meet in this film. Mm-hmm. I think what I think of Hobie, he's like a big brother. To Miles. Yeah. Miles has always been an only child and he's kind of always been on his own and he's had help from friends here and there. And Hobie is a very similar to Miles. And he's like, hey, you got to make your own choices. You can't just listen to what everyone else yeah. says. He's the first person to ask Miles why mm-hmm. he wants to join the Spider Society. Exactly. He's meant to be the counter to all these authority figures yep. when he goes to the spider society in true anarchist punk form. Exactly. <laughs> it makes perfect sense. Yeah. It's almost like they thought about what they were writing. Yeah, know? exactly. And so you'll have all the originals. You'll have the anime. You'll have Penny Parker, Penny. the mech spider. Yep. Um, you'll have spider ham, spider noir, Peter Parker and Peter B. Parker, as well as Hobie and Gwen. Yep. And they will all be going to help and, rescue miles. And, uh, Pavita. Oh, that's true. I forgot about him. 
Yeah. He's great. Oh, he's uh, the, the best. Spider-Man India. He's awesome. Yep, yep. Um, he's played by I don't know the actor's name, but he's Dopender in Deadpool. Right. Um, he's awesome. He we absolutely love him, and he's so funny. Um, in this one, uh, so the actor helped write right. a lot of this Karan, script for Karan Sony. Okay. I'm probably not pronouncing it right, but yeah, I'm pale, so yeah, <laughs> that's true. We're too white. <laughs> um, but so he helped write some of the lines for Spider-Man India to make him feel more authentic, authentic, which is great. Yep. But so we'll see all them coming together. Uh, we'll probably see 2099 be a little bit more angry. Yeah. In the next one. And hopefully they side with Miles and be like, okay, we need to help stop this. Realize that Spot is more important to stop than everything else. Yeah. Because if he, because even if the canon event goes through, unless Spot is defeated, that will cause a much bigger issue. Yeah. Because, oh, go ahead. To me, to me, what I think is really happening here. Okay, just based on how I analyze movies, specifically ones like this, I there's there's no evidence that I was seen that isn't through the scope of Miguel that says these anomalies are causing the collapse of a universe. Mm -hmm. We only are taking that on Miguel's word. The 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 physical evidence that could be mistaken, in my opinion mistaken for the collapse of a universe because a canon event is missed because the first time we see a canon event missed is because of miles he saves the captain that's supposed to die in pavita's universe Mm -hmm. and and miles says it just once for the film um when when miguel is explaining what a canon event means and what it could do he said that's that spot it's not the universe collapsing that spot yeah, and to because, me, that's what it looked like. Yeah, because it's exactly like the portals that Spot, Spot is creating, and because he, holes. he just got so much power, it wouldn't be surprising that that's the portal, right? So for me, what I think is really happening is Miguel twenty ninety nine is our overall antagonist. He mm-hmm. is the main bad guy, and I think what's really going to end up happening is Miles is going to just talk down. Spot. Spot. Mm-hmm. I really think that's what's going to happen. I think it's going to be super incredibly wholesome because the voice actor for him is a goofy little guy. It's Jason Schwartzman. Okay. Um, he was in things like Old School. He's in Scott Pilgrim as the the final evil ex. Anyway, it's I I I think there's a lot and on very much on purpose in this film to kind of red herring us into thinking Spot is the big bad mm-hmm. because I kind of feeding on that very initial thing where he kind of isn't. I mean, he's certainly, you know, gone down a dark path, but it's really not his fault, and I don't think it's who he wants to be. Mm-hmm. It's just what he's had to become. Well, or what he feels like he's had to become. Mm-hmm. And I think Miles is going to be like, nah, you can do your own thing, to quote himself, right? Yeah. And nah, it, I'm going to so do my own thing. I'm really, I'm really fishy about Spider-Man 2099 because it's – and and. The, the little clues that are dropped to like those who overanalyze, to be honest, overanalyze a film <laughs> like ourselves at the our very first introduction to him. He, I mean, he's obviously doing cool Spider-Man stuff, but as soon as he's alone, when they're uh, fighting that original vulture or like mm-hmm. the, the ancient vulture, the, the anyway, as soon as the, as soon as he's alone. He like lets out a beast. I mean, because so part of his story is that he's a vampire, if I'm not mistaken. Well, oh no, 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 you're right. It's you. You te- you explain it. You know better. Yeah. So how Spider-Man 2099 came to be is so in his 
future. He's in the year 2099. Right. Um, he worked at Alchemax and to keep him working there his boss got him addicted to a drug that only Alchemax could supply and so it's how they kept their labor force and to try and fix himself he was going to use a strand of DNA that was before he was addicted and he was gonna like replicate it so that he would cure his addiction but to sabotage him they crossed it with a spider and it gave him spider-like features. It did cure his addiction, but it turned him kind of into a monster. Right. He has fangs. He has spinnerets like a spider. So his webs are are, are organic. Oh, okay. Um, and then it also gives him fangs with like a venom yeah. as well to kind of paralyze uh, his villains. Right. And so... As soon as he's alone, he lets that beast out. Yeah. And so you see the things and everything. In a silhouette. We Mm -hmm. don't actually ever, like, see it... Well, I mean, we'll see... It's very much proof, Mm -hmm. but you don't see it very, you know, up front, which I think, again, is little details Mm -hmm. that are to say he is the hidden guy. Yeah, and he only... The things come out when he's mad. Yep. And he's, like, letting that beast out. Because you see him again later in the film when miles is about to go back to his universe when right. he's in like the go back machine it's kind of webbing him up um because 2099 has his mask down and he's angry and you can see his fangs as he's running to try and stop miles yep and so he's a bit of a secret villain yeah that's and 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 because the little backstory that he gives he tells mm-hmm and I mean, like style of the rest of the film, everybody's yeah. telling their own backstory, and I fully trust them. Miguel's, I don't. Yeah. And and I it, it's, I, I mean, certainly I believe parts of it. Yeah. But I think he's kind of played it to a he's kind of played it to a certain frame so that he looks a lot better. Mm-hmm. And I mean, of course, we're only in his inner monologue, so that could be nothing. But it's what he's telling the audience. Yeah. And so that's what the writers are telling the audience. So it's what the writers want us to know at this point mm-hmm. in time. I don't. I I think that it could be more that Miguel might be the original cause. Yeah. Of these anomalies of the universe having this broken shift into everybody knowing mm-hmm. each other because he talks about how he was really you know down on his luck and in, in this life and whatnot and he because in 2099 they have the technology I guess to do multi-dimensional travel so mm-hmm. he's looking at a different version of himself where he's just a happy guy in in a family. And he claims that that version of himself dies. Mm-hmm. And so he's he decides to replace him, you know, cover up that death and replace him mm-hmm. and then be the family man. And then that's where he talks about the breaking a canon event causes a universe to collapse. Mm-hmm. I don't exactly trust that story. I mean, he doesn't let the go home machine scan him. So we don't know his original. Yeah. If he's actually in the original right world that he's supposed to be in right because he claims that this the the one that the spider society is in his 29 he claims that that's his home universe mm-hmm. but again i don't trust all of the things that he says i do trust that he went into another universe but i feel like and this could be a totally pie in the sky guess but i'm gonna say it now before you know the next one's out i think that he might be the cause of all these anomalies to begin with mm-hmm. i could definitely see it and i think kind of on that because like he possibly could have killed the other universe right yeah 
and could have killed that because Miguel. that is impeccable timing because the way they show it in the film is he dies and immediately replaces him yeah and so he had to have been one either monitoring it right or he did it himself mm-hmm. and otherwise um if he just went and replaced him so how like all the characters glitch and everything because they're in the wrong universe it could have been the universe glitching because like Miguel's watch allows him to be in another right. universe. Yeah. Yeah. The watches help stop glitching. Mm-hmm. It could have, maybe this is before they like perfected everything and it reversed. And so mm. although Miguel is fine, that world destroys itself because it's parallaxing. Oh yeah. Because I it, didn't even think that Cause way. it's like, uh, these things aren't supposed to be here. We have to destroy the universe. Like it causes mm. a parallax effect. Yeah. Where everything kind of so instead implodes of a character glitching, the, the universe, universe glitches that and universe then it goes away. I that's that's dude, I think we're on to something with yeah. that one. Creators. Just saying. Just saying. That'd be a cool way to do it. Yeah. But Get, leave know. a like if you think that's <laughs> what's gonna happen. <laughs> leave leave a like on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> if you think that the universe wants to destroy itself. Right. Or leave a like if you think we're buffoons. Yeah. <laughs> Either way. <laughs> Either way. <laughs> leave a follow if you think we're buffoons. There, yeah. Or like this episode if you agree with our idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just give us attention, really. Yeah. Please. <laughs> we really need it. <laughs> we, have, we have only each other. We need the friends. It's true. <laughs> but yeah, so we'll kind of just have to wait for the next one, right? Which kind of sucks, but it's not as long as we have to, right? As, I was expecting so far, like two anyway. years, three yeah. years. Like I'm if glad they, that it's not. <laughs> if they have to postpone it, I will be sad, but understandable because clearly these they know what they're doing. These movies have love and passion mm-hmm. put into them. If they need more time, I am more than happy to give it to them. Uh, which kind of comes into this one. The animation. Oh, yes. Because not only do these people know the source material inside and out, right. they love the characters, they love the medium. They love the craft. It's incredible. So in the first one, we kind of talked about it, it's still like pretty 3D animated, and they have flash frames of like hand-drawn yeah. full frames, or they have the half tones and the slashes right. and then the outlines of everything they took that and put it to a hundred yeah. every spider-man in this film is animated differently yeah and it's incredible because there's hundreds of spider-man yeah you have the spectacular spider-man from the show you have the insomniac ps4 spider-man yes sir like not even just like the suit it is the model that is from it yeah. and the character, like the voice actor and everything. It is incredible. And you have Hobie Brown who is animated as if he's newspaper cutouts yeah. and it's, he's animated completely different than everybody else. A and, true spectacle. Yeah. Hobie, Hobie's animation just blows me away. Mm-hmm. Cause if you know anything about animation or well, filmmaking in general, right. most films are animated uh, in 24 frames a second because it gives a cinematic look has a very natural motion blur to everything and you can kind of adjust things from there 
And so animation, typically computer animation, like we mostly see nowadays, oh, certainly. <laughs> is animated on once. And because it's a computer creating everything, it's you basically do keyframes and the computer fills in the gaps. And Miles, specifically, is animated on twos. So every other frame is where he's animated. So they have to kind of intentionally hold the frame for yeah. each, for like a very small portion of a second, but you notice it. Yeah. And then Hobie is so cool because yeah. in pure anarchist fashion, he doesn't even do that. Mm-hmm. His main body animated on threes. So every third frame he changes his outlines and different parts of his body are animated on fours. And so every fourth frame changes and it is incredible it looks super disjointed in the mm-hmm. best way in yeah the best way and something that i was noticing too is so occasionally hobie goes completely grayscale he goes black and white and that is like a hint at newspapers running out of ink because sometimes they would have newspapers that are in color but the last pages would be solely in black and white because mm-hmm. they ran out of ink to print it on so the detail yeah. that these creators put into the animation yeah. and even is impeccable. With that, even with that, it's not just random when he runs out of ink. Mm-hmm. It's indicative of what his character is feeling. Exactly. So we're going to go again this Tuesday. Mm-hmm. That's something I'm going to pay attention to, uh, especially because now I know how Kobe's a real crux character. He's kind of an underdog, kind of a shadow player in this film. And I love, I love every time I go back to seeing mm-hmm. something, just seeing something new, trying to analyze something different because I'm, you know, a nutcase. So <laughs> that's what I'll be focusing on because mm-hmm. I, it's, it's really beautiful, mm-hmm. like you say, and the details just. Oh. Oh, he's great. And then another one of my favorites is Gwen's World because hers is animated as if it's watercolor paintings. Yeah. You almost get some like. It almost looks oh, like claymation, like stop motion oh, for a second. Beautiful like, because each frame kind of changes because it's. Like, they adjust everything so yeah. it looks like it's painted every frame. Yeah. And then, like, when emotional moments happen, the, it brightens all the colors. Yeah, and they use a lot of in the background changes to, like, abstract art and uh-huh, stuff. To just, like, focus on the characters. Right. It's like, you don't need to look at the background. You just need to feel the emotions Yeah, that these the background drives the character emotion. Oh, it's and so pretty. I, I noticed this, too. Her hair color, like, it appears to change, right? Oh, yeah. It's just the lighting. And um, it, I saw it in one of the interviews that... Haley Steinfeld was in, she says that it was described to her as it's kind of like a mood ring. Yeah. Which I was like, I think, oh, that which makes is so much the sense. The perfect now that you say description it. for it yeah. because the world changes as yeah. those emotions and her, the story changes. Her world is truly gorgeous. It is. An absolutely amazing. joyful time to watch. Mm-hmm. I mean, not always happy things are happening there. Yeah. But it makes, like, it, I cannot help but just feel joy and look at it and just feel so good yeah you feel so <laughs> giddy looking at it because you're like how did they do this it's so pretty yeah and it's just such a different kind of thing to look at mm-hmm. and i think if we're going to talk about animation we have to talk about the kid oh dude so <laughs> in this movie there's a <laughs> short clip of so when the spot starts realizing he can travel to other dimensions. Right. We get this and that. Uh-huh. He jumps into Venom's world for a second. Mm-hmm. He pops into a Lego Spider-Man world. Mm. And the Lego Spider-Man world is animated by a 14-year-old kid. 
Yeah. Because the way he did it, uh, well, let me, if you want to pull up the kid, I can explain. Um, so he animated a tra- one of the trailers. Right. Um, reanimated it. Yeah. After. So he reanimated one of the Across the Spider-Verse trailers after it had come out completely in Lego. He used, uh, I believe Blender was the software that he used, which I'm like, this means I have a chance with big studios because I'm learning Blender myself. Right. It's so cool. Um, but so he animated in a Lego style the entire trailer, and that caught the attention of the creators because they had him animate like a maybe 10-second clip right. of a Lego Spider-Man being like, I noticed... Right, we had an uh, anomaly. Or we something. have we have an anomaly, and then <laughs> Spider Man twenty ninety nine is like, thank you, you're one you of our best. best. That had me dead. I was like, absolutely. But so that's all animated by this fourteen year old kid, and he is incredible. Yeah, he's from Toronto, Canada. Mm-hmm. His name is apparently Mut Agana. That's awesome. He's. I'm probably saying that wrong. I'm so sorry if I am. Yeah. <laughs> but he's. It's amazing. It's so impressive that it was this kid. That was just like, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And then he got the attention of the character, of the creators, and they were like, we want him. We want him. And so that was actually like a really late introduction to the film. Hmm. Like they didn't, that wasn't initially planned. Right. Um, They may have been wanting to do a Lego Spider-Man bit, but they probably just hadn't thought about it too much. Um, And then that bit came up and they added it to it. I yeah. th- I think that's incredible cuz that's such like a cool story cuz like you got to let everyone be a part of the Spider-Man story cuz that's mm-hmm. the kind of character Spider-Man is. He's right. for everybody. Like we talked about last episode, anyone can be in the mask. Exactly. And so oh, it's so cool that they mix all these animation styles, they give all these different creators the ability to add their own animation and style to this. It's so cool. And so that leads us into our question of the week. Yes, sir. Because, you know, we're doing it. And so be sure to answer this question of the week, whether on Instagram or on Spotify through just the little Q&A app, app, website, link, whatever it is. I need to check again. But our question of the week is what is your favorite animation style? Right. There's so many different styles. You have traditional animation, which is like normal hand-drawn, whether it's on paper or digitally. Think Pinocchio. Exactly. You have CG, which is the Pixar style. Um, That's what I'm mainly going with to say. The Pixar style that we're typically used to kind of stylized characters in a realistic setting. You have stylized CG, things like Spider-Verse or Puss in Boots, Arcane, those kind of things where they take the 3D element and kind of mix in a bit of 2D and use different elements. Um, Claymation stop motion animation, Lego animation, cut out like in things like South Park, yeah. flash flash animation like Rick and Morty or a lot of the modern TV shows. Yep. I'm curious, what is your favorite type of animation? Yeah. Um it's a big question cuz animation is is massive. Right, and it's kind of hard to pick. <laughs> right, easily my favorite, well, maybe not my favorite, but easily no, I'm going to say probably my favorite type of movie to watch. 
I mean, don't get me wrong. I still love me some live action, but just there's something about animation that just true. And I love it. With animation, you can kind of break boundaries. You yeah. can't always do everything you can do in live yeah. action in animation in live action. You yep. can do everything in live action in animation. You can't do the same. Squares are rhombus, but rhombus isn't a square. Exactly. But I I have to stand by my by Pixar. I love everything Pixar does. Mm-hmm. I just and they, their their predecessors basically to to what Spider Verse is doing. They destroyed the animation unit, like m- m- animation industry. Industry, thank you, industry. You. Destroyed the animation industry. Totally rewrote the whole book. And I just I love those Pixar movies way mm-hmm. too much. Not to say it's probably my favorite. So I just you know, and there's I, not to say that I don't love what Spider Verse is doing because I do mm-hmm. every second of it. Absolutely gorgeous. I just, I love Pixar. I love it. It's true. You're the Pixar boy. I am. I will stand behind Pixar in any any conversation. Elemental, we'll definitely be talking about that one. When yeah. It comes out. <laughs> it's going to be great. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. Pixar yeah. style, it's, it's There's good. Something about and it. they broke the they broke the bounds Yeah, when it came out because everyone jumped on the train. They were like, we got to do this. 3D animation time. This is amazing. Um, yeah. I really like stylized animation i think it's awesome uh we've been watching arcane the day we're recording this yep uh, because shows impeccable it's great it really is Mm -hmm. i kind of slept on it and i kind of love that things are kind of going back to roots with stylized animation yeah but also probably equally as much as i like stylized cg animation i love stop motion it's so fun it's so impressive i love how it's like you can almost kind of see every frame that's being manually created. It's so cool. And my favorite probably stop motion is Coraline. Yeah. That movie is just impeccable because I love the mystery horror types genre. And I think that combines both animation and that genre. I think it's perfect. It's I'm a like, great synergism. It really is. And I think it's kind of a good halfway point between most animation and live action because it's all physical true you have to animate everything on a physical space it's true that's a good point mm-hmm. and yeah i love I, me some stop i grew up with sean the sheep and wallace and gromit so. yeah well we did too i actually hated uh wallace and gromit as a kid <laughs> not like Jeez. not like not like hate <laughs> as in I thought it was bad. Right. I hated it as in I thought it was terrifying. Oh. Um, I think, what was it? I think we were at my grandparents' house one time. I have two instances where stop motion actually scared the crap out of me as a kid. And then it I grew- can be unsettling. Yeah. It's a little uncanny valley. Yeah. <laughs> it scared the crap out of me, and now that trauma has turned into love. <laughs> right, yeah. But so- Casually, naturally. So one time, we were, I think they were playing Wallace and Gromit. I think the were sheep. I think is the movie that was playing. Curse of the Were Rabbit. That's it. Were sheep, <laughs> bruh. I know exactly I what you're talking about. Yeah, the Were Rabbit, um, and I think part of that scared the crap out it's, of me. It's kind of a spooky one, especially and for then, a kid. And then the stop motion Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. Oh yeah, the Abominable, the Abominable Snowman, Snowman. Yeah. would scare the crap out of me as a kid. He's and, a monster. Uh, I'm sure my family, if they've seen Across the Spider Verse, because I've told you guys to go see it. You've seen my post. Go see it. So good. Um, 
<laughs> they will probably laugh so hard at this part because it scared the crap out of me because I think we were watching it at my grandparents again and I just start crying. Oh. And they were like, what's wrong? And they realized Scary. later it was the abominable snowman in that movie in which valid because it was freaking terrifying. Yeah, he's a spooky guy. Yeah. He's intentionally made scary. Yeah, and now I've kind of grown to just love stop motion yeah. as a whole. It's awesome. It really mm -hmm. is. And I think just animation in general is a beautiful medium and mm -hmm. I am so excited with Spider-Verse kind of changing things and seeing that change throughout the industry. Yeah, like we talked about last episode. And I'm so excited to see where it goes. So yeah, mm -hmm. question of the week, answer either here on Spotify or comments on YouTube, Instagram, wherever. Yeah. Wherever you want to let us know. What is your favorite type of animation? And with that, that is this episode. Thank mm -hmm. you for listening. Us talk to us talk with you about Across the Spider-Verse. Yeah. yeah, it's great. If you haven't seen it, I don't know why you went this far in yeah. the episode. You'd be you, sleeping. Yeah, you have been spoiled for sure. I'm yeah. so sorry. I'm so sorry. But there is a spoiler warning at the beginning. It's your yeah. own fault. True. So <laughs> if you haven't seen it, go see it. You should. It's perfect. If you have seen it, see it again because yeah. we're definitely going to. Uh -huh. Yeah. Until next time, peace. You have been entertained. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Easily Entertained. If you enjoyed, be sure to tune back in Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, where we're available on all podcast platforms. And if you want all the latest updates on all things entertainment, check us out on social media for Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. And until next time, this is Easily Entertained.